Blog Talk Radio.
What a great song. And that's um, from our guest today. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. And that was Richard Barone. And he is our guest today in the studio. And I have my co-host, Spencer Drake, on the line, as well as my guest, Richard Barone, um, with his newest release, Sorrows and Promises, Greenwich Village of the the 1960s. Um, Richard's so... You know, has done so much work, and um, a lot of the songs he's, you know, done with other people, and he's just done so much work with so many people that are just amazing. And I'm gonna let, I'm gonna bring everybody in, so they can talk a little bit more about this. And um, what I wanted to say was, this show will be available on iTunes afterwards, and also if you're listening live, if you'd like to call in, the number is three four seven six seven seven one zero three six. And there is a chat room that is open. And also, again, the show will be available on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio afterwards as a uh, podcast. So welcome, Richard. Welcome, Spencer. You both are there. Hey. Hey, guys. Hello there. Ri- Hi there. Hi. Yeah, Richard, <laughs> what a great song. That that song Thank is like you. such a pretty, it's such a pretty song, you know. It's got such it great depth to it. Well, that was written by the great Dion um, in 1964. Now, Dion, mm-hmm. of course, first was known as um, a teen idol in the a late 50s with songs like Teenager in Love and oh, Run yeah. Around Sue and The Wanderer. Mm-hmm. But as the village folk and singer-songwriter scene started, Dion moved to the village and saw Bob Dylan and the others and completely shifted gears and became a more serious singer-songwriter. And mm-hmm. this song this song was the turning point when he decided to give up the road he was on. That's why it's called The Road I'm On. His previous road oh, was wow. just pop. It was pop stardom. And he decided mm-hmm. to become a serious singer-songwriter. Of course, later, a few years after this, four years later, he had a, a number one record with Abraham, Martin, and John about John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. And that was a very beautiful mm-hmm. singer-songwriter type song. Again, completely different than Run Around Sue and The Wanderer, um, mm-hmm. which I happen to like both sides of Dion, and I'm sure he does too, is the idea of the fun pop and also the serious songwriting too. But this song was the first of his new of the new Dion, was The Road I'm On. And mm-hmm. uh, it's The Road I'm On, Gloria. And the Gloria was the editor of 16 Magazine, who he was in a relationship with. So it's a goodbye oh, wow. to her. It's a goodbye to her and to his past as a pop star, and more of becoming a serious artist. You understand? Oh, wow. So that yeah, that's yeah. what that song is about. And for me, I was able to try to understand that when I sang it. And that's Dion singing that second verse with me. He sang that song with me, and it was the first time he sang that since 1964. Wow. Oh wow, that's, that's very iconic. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's really cool. Well, you know, um. I know, Richard, you've done so much work with so many people that, I mean, it's endless. And the great Lou Reed and, you know, Moby and Donovan and Mm -hmm. just everyone. And I know we have another song we're ending with today that I think you co-wrote with Lou, correct? No, that was written with John Cale. That was from their first Velvet Underground album. And that's from, uh, that was the first song on the Velvet Underground's famous Banana album. Wow. Um, oh, wow. And to, okay, to cool. me, I wanted to do that because sometimes people don't realize that Lou Reed and John Cale, the Velvets, they were also on the village singer-songwriter scene, even though they were more electric. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Um, still should be treated with the same kind of, like, 
they should be given the respect as singer-songwriters because they were. The, the Lou songs can be done in many different ways. I've recorded so many Lou Reed songs in my life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can be done acoustically. They can be done electrically. It doesn't really matter because a good song can be done in any way that you choose, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, so so uh, Sunday morning was, was their first. And, you know, it's interesting because, again, the Velvets were very different. And they were their manager was Andy Warhol, who also really was their musical supervisor on, on that, their first work. But their producer who recorded them, the engineer producer, was Tom Wilson, who also did Bob Dylan's records and Simon and Garfunkel. So oh, wow. The same, so, you know, they were right in there with these other artists. Um Mm-hmm. And they should be accepted as part of the village scene. That they're not always people don't really think of them as that, but they were really part of the village songwriter scene. Was the was Lou? Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can hear that. I can hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what I wanted to do was um, Spence have maybe Richard catch everyone up to a little bit of where he came from and how he got into music right. and a little bit how he progressed oh. through and worked with all these different people. Do you mind doing that for us, Richard? Um, because I no, think it's really I, I, important for our listeners, and we can give out your website, and sure. you're on uh, Facebook as well. Of and, course, I'm um, on any any, so, any social media that exists. I'm mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. I really like okay. I like being in, I like being in touch with people, and so that's a perfect uh, forum for me. But I mm-hmm. started in radio in radio when I was uh, seven years old in Florida. Oh, I had wow. a radio show. I had a Sunday really? radio show. Yeah, and oh, I was a little as DJ. It was called The Littlest DJ, and I was able to play a lot of these great late end of 60s, early 70s records um, on a top 40 radio station. And I was Aww. I was able to – it was live from the beach. So it was called Beach Party with The Littlest DJ. And um, that's when I started <laughs> learning about a lot of the artists. I sort of noticed – like I would get a stack of records every week on Monday to listen to, and I'd you know, learn them at home so it's I knew what, what I was playing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. And – so I got into records early, the actual records. Like I would look at the label and see who produced it, who wrote the songs, uh, who were the artists. So I got to learn. That was a really good education for me very early. So I was very aware of uh, even the Velvet Underground. I was really aware of them quite young, you know, Lou Reed and Pete, C- Pete Seeger. I really liked folk. I liked the sound of folk folk rock records of the Birds mm-hmm. and um you know, certain things by Simon and Garfunkel. I wasn't a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan, but some songs really got to me. And I also loved, I did love Dion as a, as a great voice, a great singer. Um, so anyway, so early on I got into these records, and, I, I, and Donovan, by the way. I really was a big fan of Donovan, who I now work with. Now, he's not on this album mm-hmm. because he's from, he was from the British scene, of course. He's not a village, mm-hmm. Greenwich Village artist. But I got into folk rock a lot through, through Donovan. Mm. Um, so I'm actually performing with Donovan next week here in New York at the Cutting Room on uh, June on uh, June 6th. Oh, how yeah, cool. that's a big night. He's, oh, that's nice. A big thing. Yeah, we want yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, let's announce that. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about what gigs you have coming up as we go along. That'd be great. I will. I will tell you, yes. And, there, you know, I'm doing Sorrows and Promises, this album, in many different cities, uh, Philadelphia. I'll tell you about those dates in a minute. But I'll tell you okay. that I, I got, so I got into, I, I got into these this music and, and these, uh, this type of popular music uh, at age seven. And, um, so while I was in school, when I was 16, I started producing and recording uh, other artists, and I met Tiny Tim. 
And Tiny oh, wow. Tim was a real amazing character. A lot of people now have forgotten mm-hmm. Tiny Tim or had or are too young to know of Tiny Tim, but he was a very special, unique character as well as a uh, performer, a unique pers- uh, persona, let's say. And um, he was a musicologist who knew he knew records off from every era. He started collecting records from like when they were cylinders. Like the, he, he was into the early American recordings and would teach me about that. For me, it all started with the Beatles, but for him, it started like you know the recorded music of the you know eight, the late 1800s and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Early, early, early yeah. 19th century. So he would teach me about that music, and he was a big fan and friend of Bob Dylan. He's he's on the ba- Tiny Tim was uh, around when they did the Basement Tapes. He was friends with uh, a lot of these uh, village artists. So he would tell me about mm-hmm. them. He told me about, you know, John Sebastian and the Love and Spoonful. He really liked them and he liked um he really liked the doors, which was a different sound, but they played in the village as well. But Tiny would teach me about Peter Paul and Mary and all these other he would tell me about these artists. So in my mind I had this picture of the village as being like a Mount Olympus where the gods lived. I mean this in my mind these were gods. And Janus he loved Janice wow. and so mm-hmm. I grew up when I was in high school thinking about the about Greenwich Village. Now, by the way, I live in I lived in Florida, so I was very far away from the village, and I, I I didn't know anything about it. But when I graduated, I came to visit here, and I fell in love with Greenwich Village. And um, you know, Tiny Tim kept saying that's where you should live, and he was absolutely right. This is exactly where I should live. I live on Waverly Place. My album covers taken right in front of my house, and I love I love this area. Thank you, and it's a wonderful area where a lot of art and music has come from. For, uh, all, mm-hmm. Always, not just in the 60s, but in the 60s. Um, oh, by the way, in the meantime, after I came to New York, I ended up in the bongos and, you know, signed to uh, RCA Records when I was 18 or 19. So I went on the road for 300 shows a year with the bongos, and that was a new wave pop. But I always, oh, wanted, wow. to make, I always wanted to make a record of, the, of music from the village, but just didn't because mm-hmm. I had other... I was in a band and I did other kinds of music, you know. So it's taken me this long to really get around to doing a tribute to my own neighborhood, and it's been a really special experience for me to do that. Anthony DeCurtis, uh, uh, Richard, Anthony DeCurtis, you know, interviewed me and Judith for his book coming out on Lou Reed. Uh-huh. And, um, yes, he, he interviewed me as very, well for that, he, yes. He wrote a very big praise uh, review of her. He said, spare, spare elegant arrangements and credited fashioning a kind of Rock chamber music uh, about Correct. you. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's really I, interesting. Yeah, he. That was my first solo album, Cool Blue Halo, that Anthony liked, and I. I'm very much in touch with Anthony Curtis. He's a great writer. He is. And he's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. spoken. He's spoken at some of our events. We've done, we've done a lot of Sorrows and Promises events around the area and around other cities. We did uh, six events at the New York Public Library talking mm-hmm. about this music. And Anthony oh, was wow. on one of the panels. Yeah, he was great. He was. He had he a lot of great stories. Mm-hmm. Yes. And very supportive of uh, of of the scene of the New York scene, so that's great. But yeah, that's how I. So that has been on my mind for many years. Even though I've worked with many artists, as you, as you mentioned, Moby and and Lou Reed and uh, Pete Seeger, I, I did produce Pete Seeger's last record, as well. Oh wow! So I've, been, I've been really really for, I've been very fortunate to work with my heroes, you know, and, and right. mm-hmm. friends friends and heroes. Um, but that's how I got here, and that's how this album came about. It comes from a true love. For this music, and just wanted to add that you know these artists, in my mind, like I said, they're almost like gods on Mount Olympus. But the thing is that mm. the reason for that too is because they were pioneers in the idea of singer-songwriter. These were the first singer-songwriters. Before that, artists 
songs came from bright, bright songwriters. So it was a separate. It was a separate thing. Like you'd go buy a song, or a mm-hmm. song came from a. Or you'd do a song from a Broadway show, but then in the early '60s and the late '50s started this whole trend where you would write your own songs. That was very bold, and these writers mm-hmm. were very young. Dion was barely very early 20s. Janice Ian was only 13. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, Buddy, Buddy Holly was, lived in the village. The album starts with Buddy Holly because he lived in the village. He was only 22 when he died. So, right. I mean, these are the music is perpetually young. Like, yeah. the music is about mm-hmm. youth, and it's about discovery, and it's about self-expression. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I feel. This is my relationship. And that kind of sharing of experiences was like a new thing then. Mm. So you know, so when you went to go see an artist, it wasn't like, oh yeah, they're singing really good. It was like, what do they have to say? It right. was like, what are they going to tell There's us a about? There's a message in there. It's a message. Yeah, it was either right. either mm-hmm. political or even you know relationship stuff where you want to learn about like how relationships work. That came out of the songs too, you know. So it was a very important movement, and I'm just trying to make sure that's not forgotten on the later generations who also you know they they should they should uh, appreciate that too. The music, like I said, is coming from the young point of view. And the, the, when I perform these shows, the audiences are not all older people. Sometimes they're quite young. And that's good because oh, that's absolutely. what the music The music mm-hmm. is young. You know, It's a very young music. I think that's it's really amazing. important. Richard, I, you know, you've always mm-hmm. been to me. Uh, I have so high respect for you. Um, you've always helped people. You have a very kind heart. I know that you play a lot of benefits. I was at the... Um, Ivan Julian benefit, you yes. know, who was there, and uh, it's so wonderful your your whole being, the way you are as a musician, because you're beyond a musician. You help people and things like that, and especially benefits or or organizations. I saw you did a thing at the Film Forum for Kenneth Anger at one time. Uh, with the anthology, I'm on the board of the anthology, anthology film, archives. film archives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I work with them um, very much. I, I really, I started when I was in college. My my study was really in films so i always it's good for music i think to be able to think visually um, yeah but yeah i love and i try to support anthology film archives every way that i can kenneth anger is one of my favorite filmmakers he's now in his 80s and um is uh one of the one of the to me one of the most important of the avant-garde independent filmmakers you know still so. richard i gotta tell you a story at Rena film club in connecticut and I used uh-huh. to go down in New York and pick up films from like Andy Warhol and, uh, wow. you know, from the factory. And then, mm-hmm. and then along the way, I would get films from the. Um, I have a catalog here, uh, Anthology Archives, whatever they uh-huh. have a catalog. So I yeah. got a Kenneth Anger film, right, Scorpio yeah. Rising. So I brought it up yeah. to Connecticut, Rich, and it was it was outlawed in the state of Connecticut. So yeah. I go, I go, I go to show the film, and there are police around the block and everything. Wow. Right, and I said, you know, screw it, because it it, ha- it was it was a type of film that that was saying, you know, it, it was saying things. You know, I showed the film, but I had a very close thing with kind of thing myself, and, and yeah. sort of way with the way he did as a filmmaker. So I really yeah. that what you were doing, yeah. Very, He's very important, very important guy. I mean, that you know, he was a big influence on people like Martin Scorsese and others. Um, on, on films like Blue Velvet that came out later that were commercial hits, really right. a lot of it comes from what Kenneth Anger did already That's years true. ago. That's yeah. true, Including in the 1940s. He started in the 1940s. So, right. you know, it's quite quite ahead of his time. Yeah. And that's what we do at Anthology. But, yes, I do get involved with, with certain charities. If it's something I believe in, then mm-hmm. it's something that I get uh, that I become a part of, you know? 
You're yeah. also involved with the Clive Davis Institute, correct? Yes, I I taught there for four years. I'm working on a new course now, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. that will be for next year, which is a Greenwich Village in the 1960s as a course for students at NYU. And the reason for that, that is that NYU, N- NYU is right in the middle of where this all took place, like where these venues were mm-hmm. and where the people live. So it's a, it makes sense that we would have a course to teach the students about their own neighborhood where they're going to school, you know? Well, you know right. what I found fascinating about you as a person with your music and everything else is you've also published a memoir um, called um, Frontman Surviving the Rockstar Myth. Um, yes. That's interesting that you are a writer as well, you know, a book writer. I know that you write your own music too mm-hmm. and yes. a lot of things, but this is very interesting. Um uh, if somebody wants to get that book, they can go on your. I saw it was on your site. It's very cool. Thank you. It's on Amazon. You know, my site is really mm-hmm. a hub for where people can find me. I mean, that's just a good meeting place, RichardBarone.com. But but mm-hmm. it, all of the you know the links are to different places. Like the book is at Amazon.com, etc. And um, mm-hmm. uh, but you can find everything by going to RichardBarone.com. Everything we're talking about probably can be found. By going to my website in some way, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just, it'll it'll direct you to the right place. But yeah, the book came out in uh, in t- 2008, and it was a real thrill for me to write, kind of to put my thoughts together about what I actually had, what my life had been at that point till that point. And now mm-hmm. I'm ready for volume two already. You know, I want to do another one. <laughs> good, 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 good. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, we want to have you back when you do that. You Thank mentioned you. um Don- you mentioned Donovan. Um, yeah. Do you know Do you know Kara Wright? I'm not sure. Uh, She handles, I think, his catalog and did something with that guitar. Yeah, yeah, I met her at um, Carnegie. We did Carnegie Hall in October or September of last year. She was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I met her backstage. Yeah. Yeah. She's huge. She loves Donovan. She's like, um, I guess, very, very close to him, too. So I figured you probably, too, had passed, you know. Yes. Each other's yeah. paths at one point or another. Yeah, last um, last year at Carnegie Hall, definitely she was backstage. And you know, Donovan's been a pure. He's been published by Pure Music for all of these years, since the 60, early sixties. Mm-hmm. So that's his devoted publisher, and he has a very good relationship with Pure Music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, well, and you know, yeah, I saw here you did a special thing on your birthday in two thousand eight with a number of people involved, Lou Reed and a whole thing. Tell us about that. Was that um, 2008 would have been Carnegie? That would have been Carnegie Hall. Yes, exactly. I did, mm-hmm. The way I did that that show to me, every I've done Carnegie three times, but that show was really special because that was my um, what we called a musical reading of my book. But mm. I didn't read at all. I didn't want to read my own book, so I had different people read, and they read different chapters. And um, I had either actors or musicians who I admired uh, play them songs with me and we and they read from the book it was really cool so it was like a music wow. it was a musical reading um and a really exciting exciting uh evening for me and i had the bongos reunited because we don't do that many shows oh, wow. now but the bongos played at that and uh, mm-hmm. vince vince Gelso, one of my favorite djs um did a segment and mick rock Great, my yeah. favorite photographer he, he did a little segment on photographing me that was really fun and also about photographing bowie and and iggy and uh because that really inspired so much about the imagery that I like with Mick Rock's work mm-hmm. in the 70s, you know? So, you're, you're, um, in, you're in Mick's book, Exposed. We had Mick on our yes. show about that book. I think your photograph is in that book, Exposed. 
I know, and to be honest, I'm the only one who's actually exposed in that book because I did a nude <laughs> shot with him. Everybody else is not exposed. I said, Mick, you know, I said, I'm happy to be here. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> only one who's exposed. Richard. I want to right, hear about right. That. that photograph is classic. <laughs> I love that photograph. Yeah. Oh, my Thank God. You. Yeah, he was, That's Mick you? is a great. Really? Wow. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I've done. I I've done that. other. I've done. I've, I've done other other nudes with him since then. But that was at the first. That was one of the first ones in the book. I really love that. Wow. The book cover. Front nice, man is beautiful nude. shot. Thank you. The nude. The nude, uh, book cover's nude too. The uh, front. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just think sometimes you just don't need to wear clothes. I I find that uh you know it it, it with the front man idea is that he's totally vulnerable and exposed. So mm-hmm. he, I mm-hmm. didn't want to have like my my usual leather jacket. I mean, he had to be vulnerable. He had to be like on stage where everybody could sort of see him and, and and he had nowhere to hide. So that was the book that's why the book cover had to be that way, you know? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean when you're that's on stage great. that's what that's what it is. You're na- you're on stage, you're naked, really. So that's <laughs> right. that was true. my uh that yeah, was you're my vulnerable. Message. Yeah. yeah. Totally and that, you get know, that. my affected my mind in certain ways and the book talks about that and that that's how I felt, you know, and I still feel when I go on stage. But I don't now I like it. At the time when I was starting, it was to be so vulnerable on stage. You know, it was a, it was mm-hmm. a lot to deal with for for a young person. For me, it was not for everybody. For me, it was very expo- I felt very exposed, and I had nowhere to hide. You know. Right. Wow. So, that's, so that's that's, that's that, heavy. That's the story mm-hmm. of that book. You know, that's where that book came from. But yeah. the book that's ultimately great. it's a, it's a story about learning how to collaborate with other musicians. So that's what that book is really about. It's about my surviving mm-hmm. the rock star myth was learning to collaborate and not always having to be the front man. Like Spencer, as you know, a lot of the things you mentioned that I do is not with me being in the front front and center. A lot of mm-hmm. the work I do is behind the scenes. Like if I produce another artist, right? Or if I produce right. a concert, I'm not always on stage. I like to I like to work behind the scenes too. Uh, and that was my survival: is to not always have to be on the spot in the spotlight. Right. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about some of the people that you've worked with that you've produced with, um, Richard, because I know uh-huh. that you've done a lot of that, and you've worked yeah. with a lot of artists in a lot of different ways. Oh yeah. Well, sometimes I co-write. I write with. I mean, I first started co-writing with I think Fred Schneider of the B-52s, so that was mm-hmm. he was a really cool co-writer for me. And then that expanded to writing with a lot of different people. I've written with Paul Williams, the great you know songwriter. Right. Um, I've collaborated with different artists in different ways. With Lou Reed, I met him when I was 18, and we worked together more as as um, I got older. I worked more with him because with Anthology Film Archives, he, he performed at many of the events that I produced. And when I did that Carnegie Hall show, yes, he was. I did his song "I'll Be Your Mirror," and he recited it like a poem, and I performed it with the music. Wow! Oh, so wow. that really, really special stuff. And um, so, yeah, with each artist is a different kind of collaboration. I mean, sometimes I'm the producer, I wear that hat. And when I work with Pete Seeger, he wanted to. It was his last single song, and he wanted to. He wanted to make it. He wanted to give it a different sound than he had for a while. So he asked me to produce that for him. So oh, you know, we brought, in, we brought in. We brought in a drummer, Steve Holly from Wings, to play drums for him. We brought in a little bit band that was a little different than his normal folk singing band, uh, uh, singers that he worked with. So that was a lot of fun. He was very happy with that, and that's on. People can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we recorded it live on the Clearwater boat which was so while the boat is sailing we're recording it was a lot of fun that's what pete wanted 
And um, that's amazing. It was a really beautiful Good. experience. So that that's another. And then working with Moby, he produced the bongo. He got we got together with Moby, and he produced a bongo wow. song that he liked. We got that's the band back time. together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he he loved the group and wanted to do one of our songs with us, so that was a, a thrill too. You know, so it's always different. I got to work with Liza Minnelli, and that was with a big band, and wow. produced a track for her, and that was that was different too. So each one is very unique, you know. What was the, your album Glow with Tony Visconti? What was that all about? Yeah, Tony Visconti was my favorite, one of my favorite producers. Well, I I would say that Tony Visconti is my absolute favorite producer that has really? ever wow. lived, yeah. and. Um, when I was, again, when I was growing up and I would read the labels, that's the name that every record I love seems, seems to be produced by Tony Visconti. Right. So uh, eventually, you know, he was in England. So when the bongos started and the RCA said, well, who do you want as your producer? I said Tony Visconti. But he was in England and they wanted, an Ameri- they wanted like a New York producer hmm. uh, for us, mainly because they wanted to keep their eyes on us. We were a very young band and we had just gotten signed. So uh, our producer became Richard Goderer, who I absolutely adore and oh, still work with him. Whenever yeah. I can, I love him. But but uh, later, finally, Tony moved to New York, and I got to meet and work with Tony Visconti. We, we wrote many songs together and made an album together called Glow that came out in 2010. And uh, mm. still, some of, it's some of my the best recordings I've ever done are with uh, the ones that Tony produced. That's amazing. And you did a I song on a, on a thing called Occupy This Album Project along mm-hmm. with Yoko Ono and Patti Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought Patti Smith on the record, yeah. And wow. I invited Yoko on the album. Um, that was Occupy This Album. And uh, I wrote a song for that. They asked me to write a song. That was through Pete Seeger also. He introduced me to the Occupy Wall Street movement. Oh, wow. And um, we marched with them. Pete with two canes. He was 93 or 94. At the, I think 93 or so at the time. Yeah. Wow. And um, marched with them with two canes he had to walk with. You know, but he marched with them and made his statement with them. Uh, and they asked me along the march, they said, would you write a song for us? And I wrote a song with my friend oh. Matthew Billy. I wrote a song called, Hey, Can I Sleep on Your Futon? Which was our <laughs> take on, which was our, which is sort of our update of the song, like, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? From the Great Repression. <laughs> yeah? That's mm-hmm. great. It's like, what would no. that be now? Like, it wouldn't be you asked for a dime, but you'd ask to stay at somebody's house or something. So it was like, became, Hey, Can I Sleep on Your Futon? And um, that, that was a, a very special experience also. And I got to perform. We made a video for that that comes with the album. And I got to do oh. a lot of shows with well, the that's Occupy, great. Uh, Occupy Movement. Got to meet Michael Moore through that and some really great artists. Michael Moore, really? That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you, I know that you have some gigs coming up. I wanted to ask you what you're currently working on right now besides promoting sure, sure. your newest album. Yeah, and it's not, in a way, it is promoting it. You're absolutely right, but it's, it's promoting the whole movement of the early 60s village scene. So I'm on the road. I'm doing, um, well, in New York, for people that live in New York City, I'm thrilled to be back at Joe's Pub, my fa- one of my favorite New York venues. I have several favorites, but Joe's Pub is right up there. Yeah. Uh, Joe's Pub at the Public Theater on July 6th. And yeah. I have some really great special guests. Uh, people in New York know Tammy Faye Starlight as a great uh, performance artist. She will be performing with me and Elvis Perkins, another really great, uh, I would say, folk singer of modern contemporary folk, very specific, very uh, stylized folk, uh, Elvis Perkins. And uh, Colin Gilmore from Texas is coming in. Uh, it will be a cool cast of characters reenacting the Greenwich Village 60s singer-songwriters on July wow. 6th at Joe's Pub. And tickets are available at, at joespub.com or, of course, my website. Uh let me ask you a question. Where can you get? Where can people buy that the album, the new album? Well, 
the album is always available at those online retailers. Of course, like if they want to download it, it's, it's at iTunes, it's on mm-hmm. Spotify, it's on um, Amazon.com, and they have the vinyl. Re- the vinyl records are available also through Amazon. I think if they want, they should go to RichardBarone.com because you'll see on the front page uh, there'll be a link for vinyl, CD, mm-hmm. or download. And then they can go to whatever format they want. But Amazon has it, and some stores like Generation Records in the Village carries it, and you know, they're, it just, it's distributed by Light in the Attic Records, and they, so it should be, it's, it's getting around the country now. It just, just came out. Rich, I saw it on Pledge Music, is that right, or wrong about that? It was, yeah, but we did that, we completed that campaign, we did a Pledge Music campaign, and so, uh, but that's all done now, so we, we, uh, people okay. can just get, now, now that's all finished, it was great, and we, we sold a lot of records there, people Good. that pre-ordered, see, the way we did it was people that pre-ordered really helped fund the whole project, so that was mm-hmm. a really good experience. Oh, that's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's That's a big fantastic. album. Dion sings on it, and also John Sebastian of the Love and Spoonful sings oh, on it. Oh God! Oh wow! Jenny, That's great. We had, we had uh, Jenny Moldar sings with me. Of course, she's uh, Maria Moldar and Jeff Moldar's daughter, but she also sang with Lou Reed for many years and with John Cale. Mm-hmm. So she was the perfect person to, to do the duet with on Sunday morning with me. You know, you um, did that. You did that, Max, which I'm involved with as an ambassador yeah, with Max's Kansas City, and you did a great thing at the Cutting Room, and Jenny Muldauer sang that that's night. It. I never, that's, that's right. That. Yeah, that's that was right. a great yeah. night. That was a great Thank night. You. Did you go Plenty. down? Did you did you go down to the um, Max? Are you going to the Max's Kansas City um, uh, event that's going on this weekend, or yesterday and tonight? Right? Is it yesterday? I'm going to try tonight? to make it down there. I'm just, I'm just right in the middle of doing. We're, we're doing. Was it last night or tonight? Yeah. Well, it's the 25th it's, through the 27th are the dates mm-hmm. of the Power Electric thing going on with Max's. I'll be checking know. it out. Yeah, I'll be, definitely be checking it out. I love Max's Kansas City. When the bongos first started, that was the, my band, we played at Max's Kansas City first in New York. That was our venue, you know, and oh, I loved wow. it there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. We, we you played know with what? Jane we County. Have a, <laughs> we have a phone call, and I think it's okay. Denny. Do you, I'm going to bring him on. Is that okay with Denny. you guys? Absolutely. And I wanted to say really quickly to everyone that's missed, if you missed the beginning of the show, the show will be available. The show will be available again on iTunes afterwards and also on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. Let me bring Danny on really quick. He's, am- hey, he's a pretty hey, Richard, amazing guy, Danny too. To Hi, Danny. Danny. Nice to meet you. Hey there. There he is. Hey, guys. Good to see hey, you. Danny, Danny. Good to hear you. Danny, the Wonder Man. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. And believe it or not, you're speaking to me live on the stage of Coney Island because I'm performing <laughs> really? tonight. Oh. We <laughs> yeah, so I just set up the stage. We're doing a 16 millimeter film uh, jazz festival. So oh, I'm going to have Billie oh, Holiday. Nice. Wow. There'll be Billie Holiday, uh, Bessie mm. Smith, uh, Louis Armstrong, Cab Calloway, all on original 16 millimeter film. Hey, listen. Ooh. I got I've got to say something here. I, uh, I, Judith and I were at Denny's uh, uh, Museum uh, last week, and all of a sudden Denny mentions Richard Barone's name. I said, Richard Barone? And he said, yeah. And all of a sudden this whole conversation came with Richard. And then, and then he announced that Richard would be on our show today, and I, I wanted Denny to call in. I thought this was really cool. Yeah, how ironic that I happened to mention Richard, and I didn't even know that you knew Richard. I just mentioned him, you know, at our shows uh, a lot of the time because Richard is family. He's amazing. Hi, Rich. Oh, thank you, Hey, Danny. How's it going? Oh, that's great. Very, very good. I miss you. Both of us have been so busy, we haven't been able to see each other and do gigs I again know. together. I know. But you got to come to maybe Joe's Pub. Try to come by Joe's Pub on July 6th if you can. 
I think I, I think I can do that. And I'm around the corner from Joe's Plugs, so it's not so bad. <laughs> and it's so nice that the album is on vinyl. And I know you, I know you like the vinyl format. Yes, I'll have to play it at our next speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, it's Definitely. really it's it's such a different experience to hear it on vinyl. I love it, and that's really how we recorded it to be on vinyl. It's just that uh, it took us a little while. You know, it had to be kind of. It takes longer to get vinyl records made than the other formats. So, hey, listen, yeah. uh, Richard, I'm doing. I'm I'm trying to do a movie on vinyl now with a film partner of mine. I just want to tell right. you all about vinyl. I'd like you interviewed if this comes off the ground. Rich. Sure, I'd love to. Yeah, I know I you're into vinyl. vinyl, and I'm really, and so is Denny. You know, it's like yeah. yes. It's a great I love vinyl. Since yeah, we too. love vinyl. We yeah, love vinyl, all of us. Holly loves vinyl. Yeah. We all love vinyl. Yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. format. It sounds really good. And for this music that we did of the early 60s, it's the perfect format. Because it just it sounds like... The thing about this album is I try to make it as authentic without sounding like we're trying to be nostalgic. I mean, we did it fresh and we did it new, but it's really designed to be played on vinyl. That's mm, how right. you really experience it. And... uh and I'm thrilled to have a. I haven't done a vinyl record since 1993 or so, and it's great yeah. to be back on the in that format again. You know. Well, you know, but you Rich, grew up with vinyl, so it's what, natural. What do you yeah. feel about the sound? Hold on, we're all talking over to other things. Your Hold personal on. opinion. I like the sound of vinyl. I'm sorry. I think a, a Spencer was just asking about what I thought about the sound of vinyl, and I think. I really think now it's actually can be. It's better than the vinyl that we had years ago because. Uh, um, for instance, these, the, the uh, pressing plants are, are doing smaller numbers, too. It's not like in the millions of copies. It's more in the, in the th- hundreds or thousands of copies. And the yeah. vinyl quality of the pressing is better. Right. Like, I, don't oh. hear, I, don't hear, I don't hear any surface noise on this at all. It's perfectly clear. Incredible. I think, I think it's a very good format, and I think it sounds the best. I think it sounds mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Good. Absolutely. Because, you know, with, with MP, the, the flaw with MP3s, and ironically, the producer of my album, Steve Adaba, who produced Sorrows and Promises, is considered one of the grandfathers of the MP3 format because they used his version of uh, that he produced of Suzanne Vega, uh, her song Tom's Diner. Do you know that song? Yes. That song was used as the for, to create the algorithm of um, MP3s. Mm. The reason was because it's all the voice. It's all done with her voice, and wow. they use that to test to see if the MP3 could capture the sound of the human voice. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh, interesting. So, but the, the problem is that MP3s get rid of a lot of the things that it doesn't feel it needs because it has to be a compressed file, like to get mm. just to be easy right. to carry on our phones and all that. And they get, it gets rid of a lot of the actual sound that's in a recording. So with vinyl, nothing has gotten rid of. It's not compressed, and it has everything that you put in it is on the record. So it's really a superior. Just for that alone, it's a superior format. Right. Ironically, while we're talking, I'm stringing up a 16 millimeter film of Louis <laughs> Armstrong. All right. And, oh wow. And my favorite. The yeah. the MP3 format is actually the um, the soundtrack to the MPEG four format of film. So yeah, basically, right. someone took out the sound track off of it and turned it into a separate file, realizing that that oh, would wow. be a great way to to distribute music. Mm-hmm. So you're actually, it's actually from filmmakers that the whole MP3 came from. I see. Right, right, wow. right, right. Interesting. Wow. But you know, it's okay. It, it, it's a portable way to hear music, but it's not really the optimum way to hear music. And also, the sound of vinyl, the sound of vinyl in a, in a house, like in your home, in your apartment. 
is that it, it seems to fit in with the it just it sits in your apartment better the sound of vinyl it doesn't it 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 blends in with you with your uh surroundings i think that's just my feeling about vinyl yeah it has a warmer feel to it a more home yeah, feel yeah. to it yeah it really does it's no it's very noticeable and people say that, well, you know, I've had technical people tell me, your ears aren't programmed to hear the sounds that are cut off by by MP3s. But the truth is, I think uh, Richard is right. It's it's yeah. a feeling that you get. It's not just the fact that your ears feel it, hear it. It's the fact that mm-hmm. you feel those those yes. frequencies, even though you're That's not awesome. mm-hmm. perhaps hearing them correctly. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it. You I mean, mean the, the, yeah. The vibrational stuff. The vibrational yeah. right. sound. That's yeah. why we well, have an know, emotional attachment to it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the need, just the, the fact of when you say vibration, exactly, the vibration of the needle on the groove is the vibration. So you pick right. up on that. But right. the other thing is that as I was, because I, I, I wanted to know when everything was going digital back when that was happening, I contacted Bob Ludwig, who was one of the best uh, mastering engineers. The best. Rich. And I said, well, Bob, Absolutely. what is the difference? And he mastered. He was mastering one of my albums, and I, we had a long talk about it. So, well, what what changes? What do I have to do differently in the studio? And he told me that one thing that MP3s and the whole digital format, even CDs, get rid of, is a lot of the actual ambience of the recording, like the room, the sound right. of the room. Oh yeah, absolutely. They filter that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't. If you look at the waveform, you're missing that mm-hmm. whole top end of the wave right. and the whole bottom end of that wave. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the sound of air. Like that gets it gets rid of the sound of the air of the room. Where we, uh, vinyl mm-hmm. records d- does not get rid of that. You know, you really hear the room. You hear the room on vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel so, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I love. So I'm thrilled to have this record out on vinyl. And I, I you know whenever people can get the, the album uh, this album on vinyl, they really get the best of both because it comes with a download card that has all the digital has a high quality digital uh, download. Mm. And okay. And bon- bonus tracks and two videos and a bunch of other stuff including all my wow. iPhone photos all my mm-hmm. iPhone photos of the recording sessions <laughs> so that's incredible wow so the, so the, the only thing we're missing Richard mm-hmm. yeah the only thing we're missing Richard is we ha- we have to record you on my Edison wax cylinder player next <laughs> I would love that let's do that oh let's that'd do be that. great all right that'd I'm be actually really able cool. to record <laughs> great my machine let's is make- able to record I can record you on wax cylinder Let's make a wax cylinder next time. Yes, I would love to. Oh, man, that's okay. great. Richard, go to Coney Island. <laughs> yeah, and we'll do it at Coney. That would Coney be Island. perfect. Yeah. Or bring it, to oh Joe's pub. Wow. bring it to Joe's Pub. We'll make a historical recording at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. That's a great oh, idea. We'd have to do, we'd so have to do a little cool. more reading before the Joe's Pub show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, yeah, we'll, we'd have to choreograph that one very seriously. But, yeah, I, we, I think we should totally do it. I've got a couple of, uh, you know, blanks and a recording needle. Wow. Make, I think it's oh, a great how so great. We grew up with vinyl. You're free in the making we all, here. <laughs> we all, but you know, I was going to say, Danny, that, with, uh, go ahead. Oh, there's probably a delay. That's why we're going through this. Uh, we all grew up with vinyl and thinking that we can't record on vinyl records. But funny enough, as far back as the 1880s, you could record on records, on vinyl, right. on, on wax cylinders. Yeah, they we were right always the recording. Yeah, it cuts right into it, and then later tape came along. But before that, it was direct to disc. Yeah. Right. And even the flat records, we thought all those years you couldn't, but as far back as the beginning, you could record on flat records. They had machines called Record Fs, and you That's they would cool. record on flat records. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yes. That's great. It's really cool stuff. I hope you guys do this. 
This is going to be fantastic if you do. I think we'll, yeah. we'll do a cylinder. Yeah, we'll do a cylinder. It's historic. But, you know, when I was, uh, before Denny was on the phone, we were talking about, talking about Tiny Tim. And Tiny Tim was very much into the cylinder, the uh, wax cylinder. He loved really? those old records, yeah. Yeah, he was a good friend of some friends of mine. He was an amazing artist and really brilliant and a sweet Correct. guy, too. It, very he much really so. lost uh, an amazing person when he passed. Yeah, he, 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 he was passed supposed too to young. Perform, yeah, he was supposed to perform, I think, a week later with my friends on the stage of CBGB's. Wow, yeah. Yeah, we had put together oh, wow, a show called The Night sad. of Misanthropy, and he was the headliner. Mm. Yeah, And he had oh. passed away right before the show. Very special artist and was a big mentor to me. And he, he, I was saying to them, Danny, before you came on the phone, is that he was one of the first to tell me about the Greenwich Village folk scene. He was very into that, and that's how I first learned about it. He was often the MC at a lot of shows, and mm. he was friends with Bob Dylan, and he was on the basement tapes. And uh, wow. Dylan, Dylan and others would ask him about the older music, like we're, we're talking about cylinders, and he would sing those songs for them, and that was a big inspiration to Bob Dylan. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting together a show uh, that I just finished buying the last cylinders for of recreating Thomas Edison wax cylinders from the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, recreating those vaudeville skits using wax wow. cylinders and actors oh, wow. on the stage of Coney. That's really great. So. I bought a bunch of cylinders that have a storyline to them, and we're going to recreate that whole thing. Hey, Danny, I think you've got to be in my vinyl film because you've got the historic side of it, too, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, maybe some of the Bones and Ribs records and some of the other strange ones. Yeah. And nobody even realizes that there were recordettes. You could even go on the, uh, at the uh, Empire State Building at the, top, at the observation wow. deck and record a record. An actual vinyl I record heard about and that. sing Happy Birthday. Mm-hmm. I, heard about I have that. those records. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I actually Holly, have. He's got a box of, of Happy Birthday records in the old 45 box, right, Denny? Mm hmm. Yes. That's yeah, one great. of those is in there. Yeah. I've got yeah. the uh, observation deck records. And Elvis Presley even made a Sun record for his mom singing Happy that's Birthday. Right? I, mm-hmm. have a, I have a copy wow. of it. Incredible. On, a, oh, that's on Sun Records. That's incredible. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's well, almost creepy great. to hear Richard Elvis that, you, that young. Yeah. No, it's great that Richard, you chose vinyl as that format to do yep. yeah. your latest release on. That's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wanted to ask you, who um, plays on your latest release with you? Because I know you do a lot of different songs on this. Yeah. That was one thing yeah, that we we'll didn't be- cover. Yeah, yeah. before Denny came on it. One thing I want to say is to thank Denny for calling in, and he's, he's with the Museum of, oh, of Interesting Things, in case Denny. people don't know. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, oh, you're welcome. The, you're such family. Uh, but on the <laughs> album, I had some, also some great extended family members. On, on the drums are, are two great drummers on different songs, or three great drummers. Uh, one was uh, Steve Hawley, who's well-known as the drummer of Wings with Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. and also Dennis Dyke and the drummer of the Smithereens. And a third drummer, Richard Karras, who has been a great uh, friend and helper to me in so many different ways, plays uh, drums as well. But we had some amazing musicians like Alison Moore, who's uh, country from you know sort of from the country scene. She sang a duet mm-hmm. with me on Eric Anderson's "Close the Door Lightly." I mentioned Jenny Moldar's on the album. John Sebastian's on the album. Dion is on the album. Um, the Kennedys, who I love from the New York scene, are on the album. Mm-hmm. They, we do a version of a Bleecker Street by Paul Simon, Simon and, Garf- yeah. uh, Simon and Garfunkel's uh, first album. Um, mm-hmm. Also, um, 
Oh, my God, Dave Amram, the great piano player who worked with J- uh, Jack Kerouac, but also worked so much with Bob Dylan and Tim Harden and so many right. of his other songwriters. He plays on the album, too. I'm sure I'm forgetting some. Every Many of the songs, about <laughs> at least half of the songs have a duet with our duets. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was a real cool experience to open the doors to so many guest singers on the album. I mean, I, uh, Richard, David Amram goes way back, right? Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. Well, he was a all, besides being a great accompanist and an artist in his own right. He also wrote some very important, famous movie scores, soundtracks uh, for two particularly important films: *The Manchurian Candidate* and another wonderful film that was Warren Beatty's first film called *Splendor in the Grass* with Natalie Wood. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. He wrote the he wrote the he composed the film scores. He's a big he's a conductor of classical and modern classical music and played piano and keyboards and flutes and woodwinds and percussion for all of the artists in the village in the 60s. He gave up the whole Hollywood scene to move back to the village because he's a beatnik. Oh, really? He's one of the original, yeah. He he just preferred the beatnik scene in New York and was working, like I said, with Jack Kerouac and and knew all the beat writers. So he was totally... uh, so, totally a true artist in every way. Right, right. You know? He was on stage with you at the last uh, Joe's Pugs show. He was amazing. Yes, he's amazing. And he's he's 86 years old now. He's he's coming back. Incredible. He's the only artist that's coming back uh, to the Joe's Pugs show. We have a different cast, except I'm bringing mm-hmm. Amaran back mm-hmm. again. Because he's wow. such a part of the. He was a part of the actual scene that we're paying tribute to, you know? Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, every time uh, Richard plays, there's always this cast of. Uh, of of people that are iconic that ends up on the it's stage. True. It's almost like he's pulling them off the street. You know? like, <laughs> it's true. He has so many wonderful friends, and they just they just show up and just play on stage. That's so great. And let me tell you, there are a lot of famous musicians That's that I've great. seen in City Winery or wherever. They pull Richard on the stage. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Every I'm so sure. often, Richard doesn't talk about it because because he's he's a nice kid. He was grown up, I guess, by his mom. He's such a shy, you know, <laughs> humble kid. But every time you're not, every time Richard is not doing something and you don't hear about him, it's because he's on stage with like someone important like Donovan. <laughs> it's really true. Right. And he doesn't I, tell anybody. <laughs> I really love working with Donovan, and um, I'm, I'm just uh, – he was a big influence uh, when I was – even as a child, my first concert at age 11 was going to be Donovan. So anytime really? I have a chance – yeah, any chance <laughs> I get to play with Donovan, we just – like I said, we did Carnegie Hall and other venues last year, but he's coming back around to New York next week, and we're doing a uh, cutting room for fans and friends. Oh, that's great. On oh, June that's, cool. that's such a comfortable place. Yeah. It is very nice. The, oh, the people the way, that run mentioned? that place are great. Oh, yeah, they really, it's a very musical room, and it's just great. I wanted to mention that Nellie Mackay, who's one of my favorite artists, is also uh, on my album. Mm-hmm. We do a duet of uh, a, a, a Pack Up Your Sorrows, a great song by Richard Farina. When he was, uh, oh, yeah, Richard Farina is incredible. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we did, we did uh, that duet. So that's another name. But, yeah, there's so many guests and great musicians on this album. It's It was almost... It's almost too many to list. I mean, it's like it's just a list of credits, you know. But, but Richard, just... it's your ta- that, when you mention a name like Richard Freenia, it really hits me because I remember him so much with yeah. Mimi and Richard Freenia, you know That's that it. whole thing. But yeah. also, and but he was a great uh, musician, right? I mean, I know. he was yeah. just he died young, right? Yeah, he died young in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, so, like you know, like Buddy Holly, the first song on the record that we do is learning the game because you know no one really talks about that buddy holly lived in the village and he was right, right. at yes. right by washington square park on Very 8th true. street he and was on 5th, 5th avenue 
Fifth Avenue, wow. yeah. Fifth Avenue and Eighth Those, Street. Y- you know about the tapes that were found when he passed away in the closet. Well, yeah, in that's his Fifth Avenue apartment tapes. Well, not only do I know, but that's how we start the album. I do one of those songs. And the last one, wow. he, wrote, he wrote nine songs in the village. And the mm. last one is called Learning the Game. And that's how we open Sorrows and Promises. It starts with Buddy Holly. Oh, and that's a, a great song, yeah. Just a, a few weeks later, a few weeks later, he d- died in a plane crash. On the on the same tour with him was Dion, and Dion could have gone on the same plane and would have perished also. Oh my but, God! But Dion, Buddy told Dion, if you want to fly with us, because it was a, a terrible snowstorm and the, the roads were closed. So mm-hmm. the Buddy Holly told Dion, if you want to ride, if you want to fly with us, it's just, it's just thirty six dollars. But $36 was exactly the amount of rent that his parents paid every month for rent in the Bronx. Wow. And but and Dion told Buddy, look, look, man, I, that's how much my dad has to scrape up every month to, to, to pay the rent. I can't justify paying a whole month's rent for one flight. I'll just take the bus when the, when the snow clears. So, wow. So, so Dion wow. stayed on the ground. Buddy took off and crashed. And they, oh. he, was with the, he was with the Big Bopper and Richie Valens, and they all right, died. Right, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. And Dion carried that guilt, that survivor guilt with him all through the Oh, 60s. really? Oh, yeah, wow. He, That's I believe, sad. I believe that. And he mm-hmm. was. He still talks about that. And you can go online and find stories about uh, – you can find Dion telling his story about that on, on the YouTube. But um, mm-hmm. it was heartbreaking. Well, we start Sorrows and Promises with that particular sorrow is the loss of Buddy Holly. But I think right. having him in the village was a symbolic starting point for the singer-songwriter movement because Buddy That's wrote true. his own songs. And, right. you know, that he was going every night to the Vanguard and these other clubs to see the, the Weavers and all these folk groups. So that his, his rock and roll mixed with the folk became the new movement. Mm-hmm. Buddy Holly mixed with Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger became the singer-songwriter movement. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that amazing. in my mind, yeah, that is a story. That, that mm-hmm. is the story of Charles and Promises of how that evolved. Let me, let me ask you a question, Rich, and you probably know this in depth. Did Buddy Holly play with other people? Like, people don't know that. I mean, did he play with other musicians? Like, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, on that tour was Waylon Jennings, and it was like he had a lot of musicians got their start with Buddy Holly, you know? Right. But, of course, right. he had the crickets. His main musicians were the crickets. They had just recently broken up. Yeah. Uh, when he when he moved to New York, but mm-hmm. um, yes, he worked with. But you know, Waylon Jennings was his bass player, I believe. Really? Yeah. Oh my God! Great story. Great yeah. story. Absolutely. So, yeah, I remember so Waylon, that. So Waylon Waylon also that. decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Waylon also decided not to take that plane because you know, mm-hmm. you know, they just they they weren't sure about it. Buddy Buddy went for it, and of course he didn't. He 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 was only married for six months. You know, <coughs> in the village for six months, and then he was gone. Oh wow! Tragedy. Oh. But that story, that story resonated through the village. While you know, and it really, he, even though he was no longer with us, Buddy's the spirit of Buddy is all through the Beatles and all those acts yes. that followed. They had That's Buddy true. Holly in their music is Buddy. I mean, right. the Beatles mm-hmm. wouldn't even be the Beatles because their name came from the Crickets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like his, his spirit, his spirit. That's why we started the album with Buddy. You know. And it ends with Simon and Garfunkel with uh, the song Bleecker Street, just because he painted such a picture of Bleecker Street in 1964 when that came out. It's such a beautiful, you know, specific, he describes everything about it. So we close the album with that description of an actual street 
and it, he talks about the rent being thirty dollars a month. Even that, even in that <laughs> yeah, song, it may, you know, it says, you know, thirty dollars pays your rent on Bleecker Street. Of course, now it's thirty thousand or thir- at least three thousand, <laughs> or like thirty. <laughs> yeah, soon it'll be that. We'll be exactly. we'll be like Zimbabwe, where the, where our money is, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. To buy something, and you know, you know Richard, one of the best album what? covers out there is, uh, and my uh, a friend of mine who passed away, Don Bernstein, who used to do a lot of stuff for CBS, photographed it. Is that famous shot of Bob Dylan walking down that street, right, right, right near Bleecker Street, with his girlfriend? Yeah, uh, you know, that's yeah. a great shot, and it, that says a lot in that picture. You know, of where that was, and you're familiar with that. You know, that's what yes. you're saying, right? Part of yeah. it. Yeah. It's really real. You know, and another album cover of that era that's good. That, I love that one, too, Spencer. I really do. But yeah. uh, another another nice cover is, um, people refer to it to me a lot, is uh, Fred Neal. His album is called Bleaker and McDougal. And the picture's hmm. taken right in the middle of the street, like it's him standing there with his guitar. Wow. And you really see and feel what the village was like then. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. you see all the venues and the restaurants. I mean, it was yeah, really yeah. It's still a happening place, but even then it was just so electric with so much stuff, so many clubs to go to, and so many people mm-hmm. on the streets, you know? Uh, and that's what this album is about. This album is about an era and about a neighborhood as much as it is about the songs, you know? Right. You know, I don't that's think people fantastic. realize some of the influences that, that existed back then. You know, people like uh, Buddy Holly, people like Chuck Berry, you know, all these people that really influenced everybody. And, you know, Chuck Berry recently passed away, and it, I just don't feel like that these people are getting the credit that they're due these days, especially, you know, mm. especially Chuck Berry and Billy uh, and uh, Buddy Holly. I Nobody agree. Nobody talks I about it. Well, I do, and, it's and kind I'm of on gone. the road. That's what I'm trying to, t- I mean, I love to, uh, not only in the venues, like I'm playing, I t- mentioned Joe's Pub in New York City on July 6th. We'll be at the World Cafe Live in Philadelphia on on the uh, on the sorry uh, June 17th, and I'll be at the Saint in Asbury Park, New Jersey, on uh, July uh, oh, sorry, nice. sorry June June 22nd. I'll be at Cafe mm-hmm. Nine in New Haven, Connecticut, um, in the next few weeks. If they go to my website, if you go to richardbrown.com and shows, if you click on shows, you'll see all the up- upcoming shows. But also we gotta in Boston, get you to Coney Island to do a show here. I would love that. I go to Coney I love Coney Island. But uh, also at a very important club for the folk scene where Dylan played is the Club Passim, P-A-S-S-I-M, in Cambridge, oh, yeah. Massachusetts, in, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts mm-hmm. on July 11th. So all wow. of these shows, oh, wow. not, just, nice. not just the songs, not just the songs, but the stories of the village uh, go on the road with me, you know? I, I think, Richard, you're doing something very dynamic, and we, we all know this, about bringing also the new generation uh, a learning experience, like a learning tool about that yeah. area, which they do not know about, really. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And it's a fun story. I mean, it's not boring. The village no, not at all. It was anything but boring. I mean, considering Andy Warhol walking around and the Lou Reed and the you know Dylan and Nico, <laughs> I mean, this was not boring. It's a very and it, it gives me so much material to work with on the stage. That's great. There's so yeah. many great stories, and you know, to to be able to get get into the heads of these writers and to portray them on stage, I feel like I'm an actor getting into the, each character as I sing their song. Mm, that's great. That's great. Yeah. You know what I wanted to know, Richard, was who's going on uh-huh. tour with you? And I know probably a lot of people will show up and probably come on stage and play yeah. too, but yeah, the, who's going to go on people. tour with you? 
I've got a few different people. So some shows I do with, well, I work with Steve Adabo, my producer, who comes with me on some of the shows. Mm-hmm. Then I'm also working with Elvis Perkins, who I mentioned before. He's an amazing artist in his own right. And I hate mm-hmm. to mention his family connections, but his father was the great actor Anthony Perkins. Oh wow. oh, wow. Elvis is his real name. He's na- he was named Elvis Perkins, and he's a great, oh, wow. very cool contemporary folk artist. He's, he was me, he's with me on a lot of these shows. He particularly does the Velvet Underground songs very, very beautifully. Richard, I think um, I have oh, nice. my 545 book, by the way, a sleeve, 45 sleeve. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, and then I have oh, great, uh, Richard. Uh, uh, one of my special guests in the, at the World Cafe Live in Philly will be Eric Bazilian of the Hooters. Wow. We'll be singing these oh, songs. Wow. And, and great. We're going to be singing some of the Phil Oaks. Oh, he loves Phil Oaks, so we're doing some of Phil Oaks' great songs together. That's another one. So every t- and then oh, I'm doing several fantastic. shows. Another partner on some of these shows with me is Ricky Bird of Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Yes, great Ricky. Guitar oh, yeah, 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 so, Ricky. Uh-huh. So I, I do a lot of shows with Ricky Bird. So between those, I mean, it's like, it's really, an, it's always a surprise, and there's always another, uh, there's always another special uh, unexpected thing happening at each show, you know. And we have to mention that, uh, of course, Spencer did a lot of the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts covers. That's right. I know Thank that. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, at least five of them. Yeah, uh, Rick, you know, Rick, I know like we all know. He's one of my brothers, Rick, 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 you know, Rich, you know this. People don't know. I uh, Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Ricky is really good at blues guitar, solo. Yes, yeah. he is. He and people does don't it. see, yeah. We do that. We do that in my show. We do that. We do blues. Really? You know, when, we, when I do shows with Ricky, we just played last weekend in Garwood, New Jersey. We mm-hmm. do, um... And we did the record collector store in Bordentown, New Jersey. We play, we've been playing a lot of shows together. And Ricky definitely Bordentown, does a blues. wow. Yeah, they have a great record store, a huge record store there. They I know, the that's a great, I know that store. Yeah, we wow. played there and uh, sold a lot of Stars and Promises there, I'll tell you. But um, Did you know a little tidbit about Bordentown that Napoleon's brother ended up moving to Bordentown? That's interesting. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Really? Borden, that is Borden so cool. Borden wow. is the home of Napoleon Bonaparte's brother. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, Wow. That's, that's where he really made funny. his old. That. That's really funny. It's like, oh, yeah, my brother's Napoleon. I mean, that's pretty wild, yeah. That's pretty cool. I know. Imagine telling that to people in New Jersey. Uh, really, I my brother's Napoleon, I swear. I know. It's so funny. That's really funny. <laughs> that's funny. But, yeah, Ricky, Ricky's a great blues player. We definitely do some blues in the show. Plus, we do a little bit of uh, Bo Diddley. We try to really set the scene in all these different ways, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So yes, and he's a great uh, a, a great collaborator, and we have a lot of fun with these shows together. Oh, that's great. We're doing we're doing the Asbury Park show together, and also Cafe Nine at the uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, together. When are you, so, are you going to be with oh, Ricky nice. in New York City? By the way, are you going to be? In uh, the- we're going to not yet, but I bet I think something will come up. I think so. Okay, yeah. cool. You got to tell me something at the. You got to tell me. Yeah. I will do that. Yeah. Well, you know, my venues in New fun. York are. Either Joe's Club or City Winery are my favorite venues to play in New York, other than Carnegie Hall. Carnegie has wow. parties for once in a while because that's a big. You have to book that so far ahead, and it's a beautiful, beautiful venue. But it's yeah. uh, it's but for for the club shows, I really love to play Joe's Pub or City Winery. City Winery is great. Yeah, they're yeah, both they're beautiful. Slow-mo. We want a big yes. up Shlomo. Shlomo, great, Shlomo. He's a great curator and a, a very, very good. Uh, of uh, artistic director a great for that person. venue. That's exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. great. Yeah. Did you follow? Did you follow his baseball? Uh, oh yes, yeah, of course. He was doing. Of course. Oh, that's <laughs> great. I've always yeah, followed his loved baseball loved career. Baseball. His what? His baseball. He's a baseball, baseball. star. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Really? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've done a few museum. They won a big uh, <laughs> uh, tur- tournament last year. They won. Yeah, that was really great yeah. for them. Holy moly. I never would have guessed that. I'll Isn't that you, great? Uh, All these things people do that I'll you just don't know about. Because he's going to be in this rally. Like, hey, you listen, know, you guys, like I want rally, you guys rally. to come to my event. We're going to be on tour. We did a big event at Howell, by the way. And uh, of our album cover, A Life, with uh, Sylvia Reed and John Holmstrom. And it's going to be on tour, and it's going to be on YouTube. i got to mention this. It's going to be on YouTube in two to three months. But I'd like to see you guys come to our event. It's a great – we do – we tell about all the album covers that that Judith and I have done, which is iconic, and, and then the stories, which nobody's ever heard. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think both you guys would really like that next time we do an event. Well, let us oh, know. definitely. Where do you do yeah. them? Well, Denny was at the last one, right? Denny, you were at the one at Howell, right? Yes. So oh, we're going to be on tour one. starting the fall with actually some schools. We want to, uh, like you're doing, Rich, like educating mm-hmm. people. We want to educate uh-huh. people on album covers and the, and the stories behind it and all that mm-hmm. type of thing. Maybe at you know, SBA, you know, and some other venues. And we're going to start it in the, the fall. Yeah. Why don't we do it at the Loft in Soho? Well, I'm going to, but you know that Judith and I are going to do something with you. We're booking a date. We don't have that together right now, but we want to book a date with you, definitely, because your museum is unbelievable. I mean, it's like Judith and I were in seventh heaven down in your museum. I've got to tell you, it was like a whole trip. Uh, uh, you were, yeah, you, you were so great there. We had so much fun. He was I'm like so glad you came to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Holly. Where do you get 16 millimeter films, vinyl records, and a bunch of uh, wax cylinders in the same place? Hey, hey Rich, he's got, a, he's got a Patsy Cline album, by the way, right, Danny? You have a Patsy uh, Cline Yes, favorite. the best Patsy Cline album. If you find the green record, it's got a green cover. It's the wow. greatest uh-huh. hits green cover, and it is the uh-huh. best greatest hits I've ever heard of wow. Patsy Cline. They really thought, they did a thoughtful. Uh, collection and the order is co- mm-hmm. is really nice too. It's a really good one. And I also have one Love of Marlena Dietrich Klein. that they did that uh, that they did a great mm-hmm. job. Wow. And a Billie Holiday uh, greatest hits that Columbia Records did that has recordings from 1936. Wow. When she was young and not as like overproduced. But I, I want I, like Holly's saying I want to see you record Rich. You know, Richard, on you know one of your things. Yeah, that no, be, that would be fantastic. I think that's going to be iconic if you do that. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be. That would really come full full circle from going from <laughs> MP3s to CD to records to wax mm. cylinder. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that, you know what you call that, that, that back to the, the only thing left, Rich, back to the future. Is for us, back to the future. For, we have to do, you know, uh, caveman bongos, you know. Sure. Well, <laughs> oh, that would be a... so great. Oh, my God. Well, that's my, tr- my true spirit is definitely a caveman playing the bongos. Wow. <laughs> that's oh, it. Wow. I love it. I love it. That would be great. Well, I really, well, I know I really enjoyed talking with you all. You've been so fabulous to talk to you today. Oh, you're I... fabulous, Richard. We love I you. Know. Thank you. I know we've gone a little bit over, and I wanted to say to anyone listening that missed the beginning, it will be available again on iTunes afterwards and also on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. And uh, we want to thank all our listeners today um, for listening in the chat room and also listening live. I can see everyone. And um, we're going to end our show today with that song, Sunday Morning. Um, Okay. And you gave us a little bit about that. You want to tell us Thank a little you. bit more about that? 
I will say that okay. and people can visit my my website at uh, richardbarone.com mm-hmm. to learn more about Sorrows and Promises and to order the album on any yep. format that they like. Absolutely. Even though we love we love vinyl, but they're all it's available in all formats, and the vinyl does come with a download uh, of the entire album and a lot more added stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday morning is the is on the album. I do it do it as a duet with Jenny Muldar. And this song was on the first Velvet Underground album, and it's credited to writ- uh, as being written by both Lou Reed and John Cale. Um, and it's a very, very beautiful song, originally uh, produced by Tom Wilson, who, of course, produced Dylan and Simon and Garfunkel and the Velvet Underground. And we, we, our take on this is kind of a mixture of uh, the Velvets kind of meet the idea of the harmony of Simon and Garfunkel. They don't, the Velvets version does not have this harmony. But we, we added a bit of that and, uh, and kind of brought it back to be uh, uh, in the style of a singer-songwriter. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you come visit That's me on beautiful. my website. And, and, I've got and so let's many not forget, sh- and let's not forget the beautiful, wonderful idol of mine that sang it, Nico. <laughs> right. Of oh, course, yeah. well, Nico is one of my favorites. And Nico, uh, Nico didn't actually sing it. She sang a very light background vocal part. It was actually sung by Lou on this record, on the original uh, Above Under- Underground record. Oh, wow. But Nico, oh. Nico sang a very light, uh, uh, very, very distant background vocal, which is very, very beautiful. And we do we do experiment with that it's in the live haunting. shows. Very haunting. But people can come see the live show and a lot of these songs really come to life as well when you actually see the shows. So if you visit richardbrown.com and go and click on shows, you'll see all the different um, cities we'll be coming to. Great. Well, Rich, I'd like to say one thing is also sure. you have always great photographs of yourself. I, you. Every time I see pictures of Richard, they're really uh-huh. nice okay. photography. You're into good photography. I know that. Well, that was my that oh, was yeah, we very photogenic. We want to credit love, the photographer for the cover of the album, too. Yeah, he did. Nathaniel, Nathaniel HL did a fantastic job. Nathaniel mm-hmm. uh, is a great graphic designer and uh, works with HBO television and does uh, beautiful poster work and poster mm-hmm. design. And he, he designed the cover that was done in, on, in the middle of Waverly Place, in the middle of my street at 2 a.m., uh, two in the morning. Uh, that's the street light. We did not retouch that at all. That's the re- that's just the way the photo came out, and it was shot on an iPhone. Wow! Yeah. Oh wow! That's what's happening. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. Definitely so it amazing. Really, it's a really great picture. I really picture. love it. It's Thank a great you. photo. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it, and yeah. I I'm just I couldn't be happier with it. It's my favorite good, album good. cover that we've done. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. Nice. And the lettering, well, the we, lettering is from the, the font was from the uh, Simon and Garfunkel's bookends record, I believe. It, we, it's okay. a very oh, really? rare font. Yeah, it's a very nice. unused 60s font, so it's very it's an unusual uh, uh, lettering. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Really? Wow, that's fantastic. I love the photo what? though. I really do. It Me has too. a lot of Thank it you. has a lot of character to it. Does, Thank yeah. you. Um, Thank you. So I wanted I wanted to thank you so much for being here today, and also Denny, thank you so much for calling in, and Spencer, and um, it's the beginning of a holiday you. weekend, guys. Um, yeah. I want to tell everyone yep. out there, please don't drink and drive, and have an amazing weekend. And oh, and um, come to Coney Island tonight if anyone's in, uh, in yeah. the New York area. We're eight o'clock. We're going to have the sixteen millimeter uh, vintage wow. jazz uh, festival. Fantastic. So, and what are you doing this weekend, Richard? Well, I'm actually doing a lot of stuff with um, Donovan's arriving this weekend. 
and mm-hmm. I'm producing his grandson, who's actually the, his adopted uh, grandson. is the grandson of Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, and I've been asked mm-hmm. to produce his de- his debut record. So we're starting to work on it this weekend. Oh wow! That's hey, listen, I got to bring up what something. Uh, we're getting we're having an author on our show named Paul Trinka, who wrote a book on Brian Jones. By the way, oh. a, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. absolutely, and this yeah. is a great book. I've got to tell you, it's called The Making of the Rolling Stones by Paul Trinka. He's going to be on our show. I got him on our show, and. Let me tell you, Rich, you'd love this book. I'm telling you, yeah. it's an incredible book on his life. Donovan's told me about that book. I'm supposed to be reading that, yes, because we're, oh, working, cool. on a, we're, working, on a, we're working on a very uh, big project involving Brian Jones uh, for next year. Oh, really? Great. But I'm, but I'm very excited to be producing Jules Jones. That's, that's his grandson, uh, Brian's <laughs> grandson. Uh, his wow. Nice. We're going to be, gonna be recorded here in the village uh, over the next week. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, that's, we a huge wanna... that's amazing. That's yeah. great. No, 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 it is. That, that's amazing. What a great project to be working on. And we also want to say um, for the Maxis Kansas City, since Spencer and I are both um, ambassadors for that. And I know, Richard, you played a huge yes. part in Maxis. Thank you. So we want to say that that's going on this weekend as well. Um, oh, and is it? You can check that out on Facebook. Yeah, it's going on. T- I think it was last night and tonight with Yvonne. Uh-huh. You can look up... Uh, you know, Max is Kansas City. You can go to the website and also go on to Facebook and see the event because we want to make sure that we let everyone know that event's going on. I think it's at the Bowery, correct? correct? Yep, the Bowery Center? Electric. Yep, Bowery Electric. Yeah, the Bowery Electric. So, so for anyone out there that would like to go to that, it's going to be happening. So definitely check it out. And, yeah, uh, wow, good I luck on that project, Richard. Yeah, That's thank amazing. You. What a chance thank in a you. lifetime. That's great. Every every time I go in the studio, it's a chance in a lifetime. Believe me. But I, I will no, say this: I hope I see I mean, you. I hope I see you all at Joe's Pub on July sixth for New Yorkers and on the road. If you're not a New Yorker, <clears throat> uh, to visit my my website and go to shows, and you'll see where where we'll be. But sorrows and promises across the country. Thank you, and Jenny. Thank you so much for calling in. Coney Island. Thanks for inviting me. This is great. <laughs> yep. I love Coney Island and Spencer. I know, me thanks too. for being here too again. Definitely. Okay. Well, hey, good luck, luck, Sunday tonight. morning. We'll have to all get together one time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Come by Joe's Pub and we'll all be together there. That's right. July. Yep. What's I'm the date? July seventh, Rich. July sixth. July sixth. Oh, I'm sorry. July sixth. July sixth. Okay. July sixth. Joe's Pub. Okay, July. fantastic. It is. It is. And we're gonna have a big after party, which I'll tell everybody about at the event. So. Ooh. It's quite, it'll be quite an evening. Yes. Yeah, after last time party, the after party nice. was brilliant. It was really cool. Thank you. Yeah, we have very good after parties. The party should and I'll probably bring can, a few. Richard. And I'll, uh, I have it on the calendar. I'm going to bring a few things from the museum again for you. Great. Awesome. You're the best. Oh, how cool. You're so lucky, Richard. <laughs> I am. I'm the luckiest man in show business. Wow. <laughs> you are. And have fun. That's because he has a good, good attitude. Good luck this weekend. Oh. That's going to be such a, a great project to be working on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll let you, we'll let you hear okay. it as soon as we have our record. The record will be out this year, so we'll, we'll make sure. Yeah, i got to hear the record, Rich. Yeah. Uh, we definitely want to have you back on the show when that comes yep. out. We'll do a That's show right. for that. That's right. When the record comes out, we'll be back on, Rich, okay? Sounds good. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. So just so everyone knows, we're on usually every Friday, and I do special shows on Wednesday under Red Velvet Media, and then we do the Indie Cafe on Friday, and uh, make sure to tune in to Turn On. So um, here you guys go, and we're going to play Sunday morning. And uh, thank you guys so much for being here today. 
thank you. Thanks so much for weekend. you got it. Thanks for inviting thank me. Thank you all. Have so welcome. Weekend, Are you kidding? Take care. Yeah, Rock and too. roll. Here you go. Rock and roll, everyone. Beautiful. Bye-bye. Beautiful song. I love this song. Some